tonight on the Midnight Train Podcast. Have you ever gambled with fate? Have you ever come so close there was almost no coming back? Tonight we dive into near-death experiences. Is there a light in a tunnel? So sit back, grab your drink, turn the volume to 11 and... Warning! Listener discretion is advised. We say things like fart, damn, shit, asshole, bitch, fuckery, fighting fizzle dicks, piss pals, groping no-no places, apple top shit-faced, special kind of person and... Holy magic marker of twisted fate drawing a shit stain master chef wiener brigade. All aboard. <laughs> Hello, passengers. <clears throat> Holy mackerel. I think we covered it, right? I think you covered that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there might be a couple extra words. Yeah. But. <laughs> Welcome to season four, episode 15 of the Midnight Train podcast. Where we bring the dark to light. Well, what's that mean? Of course, everybody out there knows what that means. We make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me, as always, is the man who just wants his two damn dollars. It's Jeff Butchko. How are you, sir? Two bucks. It's easy. I'd take two dollars and I would go to two bucks and get a shot and another shot and then I'd be done. <laughs> is that what you would do? Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no. Each shot is two dollars. I would right. get one shot. You would get one shot and, and then leave. And then not have two dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. And uh, Mr. Moody is, as per the last episode, he's he's uh, MIA right now. <laughs> he's MIA right now. He's, uh, you know, his conspiracy mind has got him all disheveled. He's probably in the closet with a tinfoil hat on, you know, like making smoke signals out the window or out the room. Yeah. For help. Rubbing himself with peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, this is going to be an awesome episode, man. I'm actually really looking forward to this one. This is something you've wanted to do for a while. Right? Yeah. 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 So we're going to be talking about near death experiences. And uh, first, for, obviously, we're going to talk about the sciencey stuff about it. And then after that, we're going to get into actual um, experiences from actual people. Eyewitness accounts. Yeah. Like people who have actually had these things happen before. I actually have one myself, which is actually I'll be uh, diving into that one. I do too. Do you really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. We'll save those for the end. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, let's turn on the lights. Let's adjust our seats, grab a drink and let's get spooky. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. Must have been something you said. Must have been something in the bread. In the bread. Yeah. That was the one and only flock of seagulls, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, it's cutting crew. Oh, was it? Yeah. Same oh, thing. Same thing. Yeah. It's like the same. They just put <laughs> it on different clothes. Yeah. It is cutting crew. You're right. Yeah. Flock of seagulls. Uh, what do they do? Ran. I ran so far away. And I ran. Yeah. Away. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I had the, the, I don't know, the tube mohawk. Like it was a mohawk and then it went into a tube. You ever seen that? Yeah. What was that? Uh, what movie was that with that's, that? Um, Adam Sandler. 
the 80s one where he's uh wedding singer wedding singer yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like do you like flock of seagulls no but you do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so today we are talking about near death experiences jeff all right or nde as and we in, have a uh what do they call that huh? a hand not a handle uh abbreviation abbreviation yeah NDE. isn't there a fancy name for it though like lol and <clears throat> well BRB. it depends uh, these are, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, abbreviations. And then what's the other one? The uh, acronyms. Acronyms. That's what it is. Well, an acronym is only when the shortened abbreviation turns into an actual word. Okay. So like NASA. Yeah. That's an acronym. Gotcha. I just learned something new today. You just learned something and we just started. It's only five minutes. I'm telling you. We're already learning. I'm telling you. Wrinkles in the brain. <laughs> so it is an unusual, profound personal experience taking place on the brink of death and recounted by a person after recovery, typically an out-of-body experience or a vision of tunnel of light. All right. Supposedly, when these experiences are positive, they may encompass a variety of sensations, including detachment from the body, feelings of levitation, total serenity, security, warmth, the experience of absolute disillusion, and the presence of light. When they're considered negative, these experiences may include sensations of anguish, distress, or peeing your pants. Oh, yeah, because the bowels release when you die. Actually, I made that one up, but it's... Uh, it's true, though. It, it, I guess it could happen. Yeah, like if you were to die right now, you would poop and pee yourself right here on the floor. That's... Why are we talking about that? I'm already? just saying, just think about that. No one ever thinks <clears throat> about that, right? Like if you're around somebody and they die in front of you, they're going to release their bowels and poop and pee right there. Now, is that a, a, a consistent thing that happens every time someone dies? Yeah, because really? your muscles let loose. But I mean... Here's the thing. Nobody ever talks about it. So that's like a double shock and awe factor to, to on top of the death. So not only are you dealing with your buddy or person, whoever's in front of you dying, they fucking shit themselves and pee themselves. You got to handle that shit. You got to like glove up, <laughs> Clorox wipes. I mean, yeah, think about that. And no, I don't want to think about it. I know. That. Isn't that, that sounds, rough? Sounds horrible. Like, why can't you just hold it? I don't know. 10 minutes till like the ambulance arrives. <laughs> Can you wait till I leave? Yeah. Come on. I know you're dead, but come on, man. So of course we're, uh, going to get super nerdy here so you know as we always do to begin with so bear with us uh while jeff snores in the background some explanations for ndes range from scientific to religious oh boy uh-oh yeah neuroscience research suggests that nde is a uh, subjective phenomenon phenomenon resulting from disturbed bodily multisensory integ integration yeah you got that yep that occurs during life-threatening events as per olaf blank's 2009 book the neurology of consciousness while some transcendental and religious beliefs about an afterlife include descriptions similar to NDEs. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. So, you know, people talking about religion and everything else. And I, I saw the light. You know? Well, we know. I, I know what that is. I know you're going to get to it, I'm assuming. But I, I know the scientific yes, we, we, we'll, medical we'll, we'll reason it. why yeah. that all that happens. So the French term, experience de mort imminente. <laughs> Imminent. Why, why is it so angry? Uh, because I am French. <laughs> Which uh, is not a delicious French dip sandwich. I thought it was, but it's not. Okay. Actually means experience of imminent death and was proposed by French, psycholo French psychologist and, oh my God, uh, epistemol uh, epis <laughs> uh, wait, what? <laughs> epistemologist. Epistemologist. Ep epistemology. Yeah. Epistemologist. Victor Egger, as a result of uh, discussions in the 1890s among philosophers and psychologists concerning climbers' stories of the panoramic life review during falls. All okay. Right? Motherfuckers are falling. Yes. Yeah. Falls. 
1892, a series of subjective observations by um, working, falling from scaffolds, war soldiers who suffered injuries, climbers who had fallen from heights, or other individuals who had come close to death, like driving in a car with Moody, was reported by Albert Heim. This was also the first time the phenomenon was described as clinical syndrome, as a clinical syndrome. In 1968, Celia Green published a, an analysis of 400 firsthand accounts of out-of-body experiences in her book, boringly and obviously called Out-of-Body Experiences. That's creative. Yeah, that's really nice. I'm glad she chose that title. This was the first attempt to provide a classification of such experiences viewed simply as anomalous perceptual experiences or hallucinations. All right, so that's what these people are saying. In 1969, Swiss-American psychiatrist and pioneer in near-death studies, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, published her groundbreaking book on death and dying, What the Dying Have to Teach, Doctors, Nurses, Clergy, and Their Own Families. That's literally the name of the book. So they're getting this information from like basically monitoring people while they die. Uh, I think uh, some of it may be that, but I also think that um, a lot of it's from people who claim to have had these. Like you know, the one lady said four uh, four hundred firsthand accounts of out of body experiences. So basically, you know, it could be people that are full of shit. As far yeah. as, you know, but then it, there's probably legitimate ones in there too, where they're like, oh yeah, this is what happened. I'm just wondering if there's like a scientist with a clipboard and they just stand next to you and it's like, yep, any minute now, any minute now, and you know, they're jotting it down. Uh, yeah, it's possible. See if they come. You ever seen Flatliners? Yes. Uh, the original. The original, the yeah, 80s. Yeah. yeah. Fuck the new one. Yeah, that was kind of bong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the actual name of that book. Okay. And uh, these experiences were also popularized by the work of psychiatrist Raymond Moody, which may or not be Moody's drunken uncle, oh. in 1975. And he coined the term near death experience or NDE as an umbrella term for the different elements of out of body experiences, you know, the panoramic life view, the light, the tunnel, the border, all that shit. Yeah. Also, the term near-death experience had already been used by John C. Lilly in 1972, so it's starting to come around. All right, so let's talk about some common traits of near-death experiences. This is what everybody's reporting. This is the the commonality. Yeah, the commonalities with all of them. So researchers have identified the common traits that define near-death experiences, according to um, um, James Morrow uh, in his book Bright Lights, Big Mystery. Uh, Bruce Grayson argues that the general features of the experience include impressions of being outside one's physical body, visions of deceased relatives and religious figures, and transcendence of egotic and, uh, it's a big word, spatiotemporal boundaries. Oh. Okay. At this point, some of you, and especially Jeff, are asking, what in the fuck is spatiotemporal boundaries, right? That's like temporary boundaries in space. (laughs) Well, kind of, yeah. Uh, this shit refers to the perception of continuous contour shapes and global motion from sequential transformations of widely surfaced, surf, uh, separated surface elements. All right. Okay. So where, where you conceptualize stuff, yeah. how stuff's kind of moving away from you and shit. How it's such, like that floating above your body, watching your body die. Right. And, and then things, you start to take right. off to the tunnel. and Right. Yeah. Through the tunnel. Choo-choo. Yeah. <laughs> how such minimal information in SBF can produce whole forms and the nature of the uh, computational processes involved uh, involved still remains a mystery. All right. Okay. So you got that? Everyone out there got that? <laughs> You're not asleep on me yet. Yes. <laughs> many, many common elements have been reported, although the person's interpretation of these events obviously often corresponds with the cultural, philosophical, or religious beliefs of the person experiencing it. Makes yeah. sense. Uh, you would think that, like, if somebody's into religion for their, their entire life, they've got, like, this stock in their head of built up belief. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of like, you know, when, you, when you're going through stuff or you, you, like you watch a movie and then you dream about it or something happens in your life and then you dream about it. 
because it's fresh stock in your mind. Right. It's got to be similar to that. Yeah. I, so if you're pumped <clears throat> with religion your entire life and then it's your time to die. <clears throat> you've got this visualization. All those memories are going to come back. Yeah. And like, right. You know, and that's that's what you see. Right. And so I agree. We should be watching Smurfs every single day. And then when we die, <laughs> it'll be like, la, 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 That's hilarious. So, for example, in the U.S., where 46% of the population believes in guardian angels, they will often be identified as angels or deceased loved ones or will be unidentified. While Hindus will often identify them as messengers of the god of death, according to the Bruce, uh, by to the Bruce, the book by Grace and Bruce, um, the Handbook of Near Death Experiences: Thirty Years of Investigations. That's his book title, so not as bad. And Mary J. Kennard's book, A Visit from an Angel. Interesting, interestingly enough, NDEs are no more likely to occur in devout believers than in secular or non-practicing subjects. So it's everywhere. So it's everywhere. Yeah. So you don't have to be a religious person in order to experience an NDE. Take that, Catholics. Oh, <laughs> we got it too. Dun, dun, dun. So a 2017 study by two researchers at the University of Virginia raised the question of whether the paradox of enhanced cognition occurring alongside compromised brain function during an NDE could be written off as a flight of imagination. The researchers administered a questionnaire to 122 people who reported NDEs they asked them to compare memories of their experiences with those of both real and imagined events from about the same time. The results suggest that NDEs were recalled with greater vividness and detail than either real or imagined situations were. In short, the NDEs were remembered as being realer than real. Okay. So it wasn't just like a make-believe thing or something they, you know, whatever. It's like when they experience this, it's way more vivid. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. But have you ever been put to sleep <laughs> for like surgery? Say what? Have you ever been put to sleep for surgery? Yes. So you dream during that, and it's pretty fucking vivid. And when you wake up, you don't know where the hell you're at and what the hell happened. Right. I wonder if it's similar to that. When your body is shut down like that, it's kind of just like a hodgepodge <laughs> of here we go. Here's your mind, you know, and then you wake up and you don't know where you're at or what you're doing. Yeah, that's very possible. You know? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, if they all these people have these near-death experiences right. and they're reporting, on average, the same kind of experience, there's got to be something to shutting your brain down like that. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I I, I, I concur. Yeah, so I, that's probably... I imagine it's got to be at least something involved with that. You know what I mean? Because I mean, Yeah, because yeah, I've had many surgeries. And uh, I can remember having some pretty fucked up dreams and hallucinations and stuff yeah. while being doped up. So, yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time when I broke my leg and I had to get pins put in? Uh, I don't know. So I slipped on ice. Uh, this was on Christmas Eve. I remember you breaking your leg. Yeah, I yeah. That. And I was holding my son. He was a baby at the time. And because I didn't want him to get hurt, I kind of mid-fall, I threw him into like a snowbank right next to me. And by doing that, by turning my body like that, I actually snapped my leg in half. Oof. And so went into, uh, long story short, I went into the hospital and it's Christmas Eve, so it's all college kids. Well, anyways, like, two was it two or three days later i had to go to surgery to get pins in okay and i'm waiting you know how you do like the tests and then you wait and then they come back and they sh they give you the shot yeah well the anesthesiologist came back this ki this kid i'm gonna call him a kid young was buck. like 22 years old uh -huh. had a shark tooth necklace oh boy and like a hansen haircut <laughs> and i'm sitting there with my mom at the time and getting ready to go and he comes in he's like hey bro you ready to go to sleep bro i got you and he's like flicks the shot and i'm like i'm dead this is it. I'm done. And this is how it ends. Yeah. And then like literally I was just like, Whoosh. and then I woke up and everything was done. But that was scary as fuck. I mean, 
This kid was like 22 years old with a shark tooth neck, like right, right out of Pacific Sunwear. Just that's crazy. Hey, bro, ready to get your shot? I'm like, no, dude. Those anesthesiologists make some money. I know my cousin is one. Yeah, they make. Yeah, she makes a ton of money. Oh yeah, but the, you always worry because like you always have the fear of okay, it's not going to work. I'm going to I'm going to be awake. I'm going to feel this shit. Or yeah. it, that's a lethal thing. Like if they do it wrong, they could kill you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So like there, there's all yeah. these like variables that's going through your head and then you're in surgery on top of it. You're just like, fuck. Man, I'm <laughs> so now um, some common traits that have been reported by in the ears here are as follows. Um, a sense of awareness of being dead. Okay. Like you realize so you, know. you were dead. Yes. Which has got to be a real fucked up sense. To now, have. Side note. Yeah. When you dream, can you tell that you're dreaming? I don't really remember my dreams. Samantha, my girlfriend, can't. Oh. She talks about it all the time. She'll have a dream and like in the dream, she could be like, okay, I know this is a dream and like start doing crazy shit. What? Like I've never been able to do that. Like I, when I'm in a dream, it's like I'm in the. What is she fucking Freddy Krueger? I, I don't know. Christ. I don't know. What she says fuck? she can do it. It's, it's pretty That's amazing. wild. Um, another one is a sense of peace, well-being or painlessness. Kind of just let go, you know. That's the drugs. <laughs> Positive emotions uh, a, or a sense of removal from the world. Like you're, you're free, man. Man. Fucking free, man. An out-of-body experience, a perception of one's body from an outside position, sometimes observing medical professionals performing resuscitation efforts. Mm. That seems to be a common one with people. Yeah. Um, a tunnel experience or entering a darkness, a sense of moving up or through a passageway or staircase. Mm-hmm. You know, the tunnel. Don't go near the light, Caroline. Yep. A rapid movement toward and or sudden immersion in a powerful light. I guess that would be more of the powerful light, which communicates with the person. So this is like, you know, the lights talking to them. An intense feeling of unconditional love and acceptance. Encountering beings of light, beings dressed in white or similar. Also the possibility of being reunited with deceased loved ones. Receiving a life review, commonly referred to as seeing one's life flash before one's eyes. Rocky montage. <laughs> Can you imagine like something like that happens and all of a sudden you're just in front of like this white being and they've got a checklist of every fucked up thing you've ever done? Oh, yeah. Just reviewing your life. And you're you. Watch, you have to watch it. Yeah. Third, third person. Yeah. You're like, like, shit. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, approaching a border or a decision to oneself to other uh, to others to return to one's body, often accompanied by reluctance to return. So you're debating whether or not you want to come back. I wouldn't. It's fucked up. I'd be like, no taxes, no more. <laughs> no kids, let's go. Suddenly finding oneself back inside <laughs> one's body. Okay, obviously. So I guess you did decide to come back. Connection to the cultural beliefs held by the individual, which seem to dictate some of the phenomena experienced in the e- NDE, and particularly the later interpretation thereof. Okay, so you're associating what you saw with your religious yes. whatever, like we talked about earlier. All right, so let's now talk about the stages of NDE. All right. So Kenneth Ring subdivided the NDE on a five-stage continuum, okay? So the subdivisions were kind of what we were going through talking about it there. Peace, body separation, entering darkness, seeing the light, entering the light. All right. Okay? I assume once you enter the light, you're gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You either go into the light or you don't and you come back. I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, So Charlotte Marshall, a neuropsychologist from the University of Liege, and University Hospital of Liege, who led a team that investigated 154 different NDE cases, concluded that there is not a fixed sequence of events. So basically, she said, fuck that other guy. 
So it's like a Russian roulette. It's a gamble. Yeah. It's a wonder wheel. It just happens like shit happens, you know? Yeah. So Kenneth Ring also argues that attempted suicides do not lead more often to unpleasant NDEs than unintended rear or near-death situations. But you know how Charlotte Marshall feels about that dude and his shitty opinions. So fuck him anyway. Yeah. It makes sense, though. I mean, think about it. If you're like all depressed and you're like feeling horrible and down and shit and you kill yourself, that's like the last emotion. No, it's saying there is no connection to that. Oh, there is. Yeah. Yeah. It's saying that you're no more, you're no more susceptible to unpleasant NDEs than somebody who just had an accidental near death or something like that. So in one series of NDEs, 22% occurred during general anesthesia. See? Yeah. There you go. What's that mustache? You need to take a tinkle. We'll be right back after this message. Well, it's time to return back to the show. I'm glad you stayed and didn't leave. In a small bowl, whisk (laughs) together the mayo and egg. Dijon mustard, Worcestershire sauce, and hot sauce. Oh, I love that Dijon mustard. And season with salt and pepper. Just a sprinkle. Just a little dash will do you. A little dab will do you. (laughs) They're going to be the best crab cakes. When you have the cul-de-sac party, all the neighbors are going to say, my lord. So we talked a little bit more about doing the whole, um, the old ladies and their craft stuff, right? Yeah. And how we should be doing like demonic recipes and shit like that. But as the old ladies, I want to know what the listeners think about us doing that. I think that'd be amazing to do. I think it's awesome. I think it'd be great. You guys let us know if you want us to do a little side little thing. It could just be a little 5, 10, 15 minute thing. And we sit there and just (laughs) discuss like, like, I don't know, freaking Satanistic rituals and shit. But like how to really do it. Right. Yeah. Like legit things. But you sit there and talk about like you take the knife and you shove it directly into the virgin's heart. (laughs) The first thing you want to do is get some chalk to draw the pentagram on the <laughs> smooth surface. You might want to use some lemon pledge to clean the surface first. <laughs> yes. So if you guys want us to do that, please let us know. Anyway, so back to the NDEs here. The underlying neurological sequence of events in a near-death experience is difficult to determine with any precision because of the dizzying variety of ways in which the brain can be damaged. Okay? The brain is a very sensitive thing. and it can be all That's true. Up. I mean, think about if you got like, okay... Shot in the head, point blank, versus, I don't know, a heart attack versus getting decapitated. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's got to depend on how you die because that's the way your brain fires. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you got shot in the head, just point blank, that's, that's got to be like the most clean cut. Like, there's no tunnel. It's just light and you're done. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. (laughs) Because your body's not still alive. Possibly. Yeah. But I mean, as, as you're, Oh, wait, is it still getting oxygen, though, until your heart stops? Right. right? So, I mean, so it could be still firing, I guess? Yeah. Like, the synapses and stuff could still be going. I guess it just depends on how badly damaged the brain is. Now, if your head is cut off, you're completely severing the spinal cord and all those synapses and stuff. So, does yeah. the brain still fire? I don't know. Could you imagine? Nope. <laughs> imagine being either shot in the head or nope. decapitated, and nope. you're, you're still alive for, like, let's just say, let's just say it's 30 seconds until, like, it, it just all fizzles out. Right. But for that 30 seconds, Fuck. I mean, I don't think you're going to feel pain because it's just so much shock at that point. But you're like, you're kind of just staring, like comprehending, trying to comprehend. And then done. well, you've ever seen a, uh, a, a the chicken with its head cut off? You ever seen that? Yeah, it still runs around. They run around and fucking 
flop well, all over the place. Muscle, though. Right. I mean, is it though? Do we know for a fact that they they're not feeling anything anymore? <laughs> Super beans. <laughs> <laughs> so furthermore, NDEs do not strike when the individual is lying inside a magnetic scanner or has his uh, has his or her scalp covered by a net of electrodes. So we're talking MRI. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what exactly happened to your brain during an NDE? What happens? Oh, here we go. Here's the meat. So it is possible to gain some idea of what happens by examining a cardiac arrest in which the heart stops beating. And, you know, the patient is, quote unquote, coding. Yeah. Right? The patient has not died because the heart can be jump started via uh, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. All right. Okay. That's CPR for you other. People. All you lifeguards out there. Right. <laughs> Modern death requires irreversible loss of brain function. When the brain is starved of blood flow, uh, which is called ischemia. And we got a bunch of nurses and whatnot to listen to the show. So hopefully we're doing all right by this. Sugar butt. Yeah. And oxygen, which is anoxia. The patient faints in a fraction of a minute and his or her electroencephalogram or EEG um, becomes isoelectric. In other words, they flatline. All right. This implies that large scale spatially distributed electrical activity within the uh, cortex the outermost layer of the brain has broken down. Yeah. Like a town that loses power one neighborhood at a time, local regions of the brain go offline one after another. <laughs> right. So similar to my brain on a Saturday night after drinking a lot, you know, uh, or maybe you know, like a lot of us. <laughs> I would think it's the other way around. I think when you drink, the lights get brighter and then they blow up. Like the bulbs just you hung, so bright. You've hung out with me before, man. You tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Back in the day, now you just disappear. Yeah, well, that's what you do I the do. ghost. That's you got to. So the mind, whose substrate is whichever neurons remain capable of generating electrical activity, does what it always does. It tells a story shaped by the person's experience, memory, and cultural ex expectations. Given these powder powder, <laughs> given these power outages. This experience may produce the rather strange and idiosyncratic stories that make up uh, the corpus of NDE reports. All right. Mm -hmm. To the person undergoing it, the NDE is as real as anything the mind produces during normal waking. When the entire brain is shut down because of complete power loss, the mind is extinguished along with the consciousness. If and when oxygen and blood flow are restored, the brain boots back up and the narrative flow of experience resumes. So it's a hard reset. It's basically a hard reset. Yeah. So if you're a fucked up person... You need to restart your brain. Yeah, for 10 maybe seconds. unplug, unplug for ten seconds. Restart. Maybe, maybe that does work. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to see the research on that if they can actually. Well, if you think about it, back in the day, that's what shock therapy was. That's what they were trying know? to do, right? Yeah. And lobotomies. Yeah. yeah, they're trying yeah. to. They tried. So scientists have videotaped, analyzed, and dissected the loss and subsequent recovery of consciousness in highly trained individuals, like U.S. test pilots um, and NASA astronauts in centrifuges during the Cold War. All right. So um, if you can recall the scene in 2000, the 2018 movie, uh, First Man of, uh, uh, of Neil Armstrong. Do you remember that? Played by Ryan Gosling. I didn't see it. Oh. Anyway, he was being spun in a multi-axis thing. And yeah, until he passed out. Yeah. Or like me on a tilt world Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much Or tequila. Me. Or tequila. Oh, God. Epa, epa. I can't do it. At around five times the force of gravity, uh, the cardiovascular system stops delivering blood to the brain and the pilot faints. About 10 to 20 seconds after these large G-forces cease, consciousness returns accompanied by a comparable interval of confusion and disorientation. All right? Does yes. that make sense? Yeah. So you're passing the fuck out, and then you come back, and you're like, what the fuck happened, man? I think we've all passed out at some point in time from something. We used to do it for fun when we were kids, when we were teenagers. 
explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Simbeck was part of this, by the way. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we'd all hang out. I don't, God, I can't remember where. Somebody's house. And for fun, because we were too young to drink or do anything, all we do is smoke cigarettes. But for fun, we would literally take the biggest guy out of our group and he would, you know, strangle you, do the pass out thing. And we did it for fun. And we all took turns getting passed out. And we'd be out for, fuck, some of us a minute, some of us 30 seconds. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so Steve stupid. would like kick and punch when he was waking up. It was hilarious. We used to laugh so hard. So like, oh my God. And he would let us see. He's like, pass me out, pass me out. We're like, all right. So then like the guy gets behind him. He's like, you know, and then Steve just right to the floor. And then like within like 30 seconds, he's like, like he's punching and swinging and shit. Yeah. Ah, Steve. Steve. So the range of phenomena these men recount may amount to NDE light, we'll call it. All right. So tunnel vision and bright lights, a feeling of awakening from sleep, including partial or complete paralysis, a sense of peaceful floating, out-of-body experiences, sensations of pleasure and even euphoria, and short but intense dreams, often involving conversations with family members that remain vivid to them many years afterwards. These intensely felt experiences triggered by a specific physical insult typically do not have any religious character, perhaps because participants knew ahead of time that they would be stressed until they fainted. So it wasn't like, it wasn't an accidental, all of a sudden thing. They knew this was going to happen. So they're saying there may be a correlation to that. Do you find it odd though, about like the reuniting with family members? Uh, well, no, because you know, you miss somebody, you know, if but you it's, miss an, it's not always in the back of your head. I mean, let's be real. Yes, like, you know, losing somebody super close to you, like uh, your partner or parent or maybe even a grandparent for some people or a child, you know, or even an animal, you know, you think about it, you're, you're closely connected, but maybe it's just me, but they're not 24-7 always in the back of your head. Yes, you run into things and you have the memory and you think about them from time to time, but they're not like always in your head. They're not consciously always in your head subconsciously right. they're there though because they're memories so those are there so what i think they're but like saying out of all is, the memories in your head how does it shuffle right to that you know what i'm saying like it, i just find it very odd maybe there's just a you know you got that emotional connection to it you yeah. know and so when your brain has these events happening to it it just automatically clicks and that's what it goes to maybe it's a sense of comfort too that person was a comforting person but i feel like for you like when bill murray passes away like you're gonna meet him when you die like, that's going to be your go-to guy. I think I'm going to die before Bill Murray does. You think so? I don't know. Maybe. He's not looking too good these days. Oh, I don't want him to die. That's going to suck. I know. <laughs> it's going to suck so bad. Oh, God, I love him so much. So, by their very nature, NDEs are not readily amendable to well-controlled laboratory experimentation. Because, you know, who the fuck would willingly want to be killed just to try and be brought <laughs> back and see if they had an NDE, you know? 50 bucks, I'll do it. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, this is not flatliners like we were talking about. Uh, it may be possible, however, to study aspects of them in humble in a humble lab mouse. All right, so maybe it too can experience a review of a lifetime of memories or of or euphoria before death. Are mice built similar to humans? Is that why we test everything on mice? Uh, I'm talking internally, like organ wise and whatnot. Are they like the closest? I, I don't want to say disposable because I know all the PETA people and animal lovers are going to hate me for this, but are they the closest disposable thing, creature that's close enough, that's built like a human to where we could get accurate results? No, or I, I don't think so. Um, because wouldn't a monkey? Pigs. Think? Pigs are actually closer to us. So why then? Why mice all the time? Maybe because they're smaller it. and you can, you know, they're just a little area. 
But Maybe. I mean, like if you're testing brain functions and, and organ things and stuff like that on a mouse, who gives a shit because it's not the same as a human, right? Maybe neurologically, because they do have the ability to be trained and be, have the ability to like, you know, they go and they'll hit a light if they want a piece of cheese. Well, I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah, Are they the closest possibly. out of disposable, <laughs> I hate to say disposable creatures. <laughs> He's not saying but disposable like, creatures. You know, you right. get my point. Right. He's like not you're you're going to let a mouse die before a human being, obviously. Right. right. And a dog, because dogs are amazing. Right. But... Yeah. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Many neurologists have noted similarities between NDEs and the effects of a class of epileptic events known as complex partial seizures. These um, fits uh, partially impair consciousness and often are localized to specific brain regions in one hemisphere. They can uh, be preceded by an aura, which is a specific experience unique to an individual patient that is uh, predictive of an incipient attack. Okay. Yeah. The seizure may be accompanied by changes in the perceived sizes of objects, unusual tastes, smells, or, or bodily feelings, deja vu, um, depersonalization, or ecstatic feelings. You know, so all these things can happen. Did you ever see one of those in person? Someone have a seizure? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's it's fucking wild. I've the only time I've ever seen it was at a concert. Oh really? Yeah, and they had like the strobe lights go. What concert was it? God, it was like it was some metal band. I can't remember what it was. And I think it was at the Agora. And they had the, the lights was like, you know, the lights were going off. And then next thing you know, like the crowd just kind of moved. Okay. And there was a couple of people holding this girl. And this girl was just like a fish just flopping all over, like going crazy. It no was way. Nuts. Yeah. And then they, they, they had to take her out and shit. And so the, from the lights, she had an epileptic, epileptic seizure? I would guess because it was like all these strobe lights right before it happened. So oh, that's why they have those warnings up there and stuff, man. Like yeah. when you walk in like, hey, this But then again, if you're a young lights. kid, like you don't know and you don't know it's never happened to you. Yeah, that's or, true. But yeah. you've, you've been around it before? Oh, yeah. I've seen it happen before. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. You have to wash their tongue, right? Isn't that like when they're seizuring because they could swallow their tongue like you have to or bite it off or some shit? Like I that. mean, you could bite your tongue off if you're, you know, whatever. You, you cannot physically swallow your tongue. Yeah. It's not something you can actually do. So okay. when they say that, like, oh, he's going to swallow his tongue, that, yeah, that yeah, can't you happen. Can't. You okay. can't actually swallow it. It's attached, so you can't yeah. actually swallow your tongue. Unless you're a lizard uh, or a reptilian. Like, <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> the reptilian Illuminati can choke it. That's how we kill them. He's like, yeah, man, Beyonce. <laughs> Fucking reptilian, Jay-Z. So episodes featuring the last items on the list are also clinically known as uh, Dostoevsky's seizures. Yep. After the late 19th century Russian writer Fyodor Dostoevsky, who suffered from severe temporal lobe epilepsy. More than 150 years later, neurosurgeons uh, are able to induce such ecstatic feelings by electrically stimulating part of the cortex called the insula in epileptic patients who have electrodes implanted in their brain. This procedure can help locate the origin of the seizures for possible surgical removal. Patients report bliss, enhanced well-being, and heightened self-awareness or perception of the external world. Exciting exciting the gray matter elsewhere can trigger out-of-body experiences or visual hallucinations. This brute link between abnormal activity patterns, uh, whether induced by the spontaneous disease process or controlled by a surgeon's electrode, and subjective experience provides support for a biological, not spiritual, spiritual origin. Okay? Mm. You getting all that? All right. The same is likely to be true for NDEs. While the mind should experience the struggle to sustain its operations in the face of uh, loss of blood flow and oxygen as positive and blissful rather than as panic-inducing remains mysterious. Okay? That's why it's like, you know, they, they don't really know, uh, especially since life sucks so bad. You yeah. Know what I, mean? I mean, it does. It is intriguing, though, that the and uh, I don't know. Life's not that bad. Your life's all right, right? I, I've said it before. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, con- I'm content. 
You're content. Yeah, like when we went around and talked about, we talked about this before, yeah. you know, and you guys are like, well, I'd better job, better money, more money. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm good with what I got. I that's mean, good. You know, that's good. That's whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I wish I had hair like John Stamos, but you know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> or so. anything like John Stamos. <laughs> it is intriguing, though, that the outer limit of the spectrum of human experience encompasses other occasions in which reduced oxygen causes pleasurable, uh, pleasurable feelings of jauntiness, lightheadedness, and heightened arousal. Deep water diving, high altitude climbing, flying, the choking or fainting game, as you were talking about, and in just case, sexual asphyxiation. Hey, boner. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So apparently that's that state of euphoria because of the lock, lack of oxygen going to your brain. So that's why they do that. I was always wondering, you know, like David Carradine. Oh, yeah. From that. And oh, yeah. They think they think I'm doing quotation, folks. They think that Chris Cornell. Right. Um, could the have singer possibly of, done uh, that. The singer of NXS. That's how he passed yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. So you choke yourself and you. <laughs> yeah. Be careful out there, uh, you know, choking yourself while you're jerking off, folks. Just yeah. be careful. Don't 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 hold the rope too tight yeah, think of all the people that have to like when you're gone because you didn't make it think of all the people that have to tell that story to everybody yeah. and how uncomfortable that is for them <laughs> you know like your mom Ugh. oh little billy died he was whacking his his punch and he, he choked and that was it i mean could you imagine that no <laughs> <laughs> it's halloween time man we're leaving out we're it not is. leaving out any details yeah, we're going getting, we're going it's to getting the, dark outside that's right so let's talk about the after effects. All right. So NDEs are your often, pants. Yeah, we'll see. NDEs are often associated with uh, changes in personality and outlook on life, according to James Morrow. Ring is identified. Uh, well, that's a fucking stupid statement. Of course, you almost die. You're gonna be like, you know, it's well, like I mean, what's it's, a Christmas movie where the guy comes back, a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. running down the street like. <laughs> Every time a bell yeah. rings. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an obvious statement. If you die and you come back, you're going to be like Mr. Happy Pants. Right. Well, they've also identified a consistent set of value and belief changes associated with people who have had a near-death experience. Among these changes, um, he found a greater appreciation for life, higher self-esteem, greater compassion for others, less concern for acquiring material wealth, a heightened sense of purpose and self-understanding, desire to learn, elevated spirituality, greater e ecological sensitivity and planetary concern and a feeling of being more intuitive. Do you think an emo kid comes back worse? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, shit. I'm I don't back. think a, I don't think an emo kid comes back. Why, why am I back? <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> However, not all after effects are beneficial, according to the book by R.M. Orn titled The Meaning of Survival, The Early Aftermath of a Near-Death Experience. All right, and uh, they describe circumstances where changes in uh, attitudes and behavior can lead to psychosocial and psychospiritual problems. Psychosocial. <laughs> psychosocial. So they're saying that these things can lead people to be fucked up. Well, yeah. So you got a lot of people that are good, and you got a lot of people that are not so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here are, you ready for this? Yes. Here are some actual near-death experiences. Oh, boy. Taken from the book Beyond the Light by PMH Atwater. All right. Okay. Now we're going to be getting to a lot of these and we're actually going to talk about our personal ones at the end of the show, but I also have some from celebrities really? as well as some listeners of the show as well. Did it, was anybody's, were they, is this like a testament right here? Say this what? house is a fucking prison on planet bullshit in the galaxy of this sucks camel dicks. Yes, that's it, actually. That's, anybody say that? That is moody every day. <laughs> it's moody. That was moody's quote oh, every moody. day. Yeah. That is moody every day. Yeah. So this one is uh, from Jasmine <laughs> Kadivia. Oh, man, her last name. 
Ritapungni of Hull, Georgia. All right. She died on the operating table during surgery in late 1979. All right. She says, I must say that this experience was quite unsettling to say the least. I was floating over my body. I could see and hear everything that was being said and done. I left the room for a short while and then returned to where my body lay. I knew why I died. It was because I couldn't breathe. There was a tube down my throat and the medical staff did not have an oxygen mask on my nose. Yikes. I had also been given too much anesthetic. Now, there you go. There's Shark your, tooth. There's yeah. your, the sh- What's up, bro? Before <laughs> you go to sleep, bro? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. In my out-of-body state, she goes on to say, I'm using my mind to try and make my right arm and hand move. My arms are extended parallel to my physical body. I want my right hand to move, anything to move. I was trying to pull the tube out of my mouth. I looked down at my face and tears were streaming. One of the nurses blotted the tears from my face, but she didn't notice my breathing had stopped, nor did she see uh, me next to her. This is like the Metallica one video. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I'm trying really hard to make my physical arm move, but it's like my whole body is made of lead. I could see my spirit standing before me. My spirit was so beautifully perfect, dressed in a white gown that was loose, free-flowing, and below the knee. From my spirit, there emanated a bright, soft white halo. My spirit was standing six to eight feet from my body. It was so strange, for I could see my spirit, and my spirit could see my pathetic body. I had not an ounce of color, and I looked all withered and cold and lifeless. My spirit felt warm and so, so celestial. As my spirit slowly moved away, my spirit told my body goodbye, for my spirit saw the light and wanted to go into it. The light was like a circular opening that was warm and bright. End quote. Hmm. Right. What do you think of that? Sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, she obviously came back to life because she told her story. So yeah, yeah. But that's that. And it, you'll you'll see as we go through these when they were talking about all the um, the uh, categorically like you know how everyone kind of has the same sensations and same things as we go through these uh, actual um, tellings of their ta- their. NDEs, mm-hmm. it's all very relative. It all is very similar things happen to them. Sure. Okay. Um, this is Robin Michelle Hullbear of Texas City, Texas. Uh, her near-death ex- uh, episode took place in a hospital when she was between one and two months of age. Um, born- Wait a minute. Yeah, this is what she says. If she remembers this. She says, born prematurely and with uh, a hyaline membrane disease, she was not expected to live. All right. So this is her story. My first visual memory was looking forward and seeing a brilliant bright light, almost like looking directly at the sun. The strange thing was that I could see my feet in front of me as if I were floating upward in a vertical position. I do not remember passing through a tunnel or anything like that, just floating in the beautiful light. A tremendous amount of warmth and love came from the light. There, uh, there, was, there was a standing figure in the light, shaped like a normal human being, but with no distinct facial features. It had a masculine presence. The light I have described seemed like it emanated from that figure. Light rays shone all around him. I felt very protected and safe and loved. The figure in the light told me, um, uh, told me, yeah, told me through what I now know to be mental telepathy that I must go back, that it was not time for me to come here. I wanted to stay because I felt so full of joy and so peaceful. The voice repeated that it wasn't my time. I had a purpose to fulfill and I could come back after I completed it. The first time I told my parents about my experience was right after I began to talk. At the time, I believed that what happened to me was something everyone experienced. I told my mom and dad about the big glass case I was in after I was born and the figure in the light and what he said to me. They took my reference to the glass case to mean the incubator. My father was a medical student at the time, and he had read a book about near-death experiences. From comparing the information in the book uh, with what I told him, they decided that's what I was describing. My mom told me all of these years later when I brought the subject up again. 
I began attending church at the age of five, and I would look at the picture of Jesus in the Bible and tell my mom that's who was in the light. I still have many physical difficulties with my health because of being premature, but there is a strong need inside me that I should help others with what death is and talk to terminally ill patients. I was in the other I was in the other world and I know there is nothing to be afraid of after death. <laughs> Jeff's face right now. It's just it's a baby. Come on. Like you know now they have a there are a lot of accounts of this kind of shit happening. Well yeah, I Truthfully. I believe it more in adults, but a child a child doesn't remember fucking yesterday. Come on. Like come on. So you think this one's bullshit? Absolutely. <laughs> Like this chick's got no friends and she's making shit up to get, get attention. So this one, Bryce Bond, a famous New York City media personality turned parapsychologist, oh. once collapsed after a violent allergic reaction to pine nuts and was rushed to a hospital. The hell is pine nuts? What's what's in pine nuts? You know, like what are pine nuts in pine pine nuts. Pine nuts. Uh, what is it in? You can cook with it and stuff. Uh, like uh, you ever had uh, brujol? Yeah. Oh, it's in brujol. Like in the when you wrap. In the inside of Brazil, pine really? nuts are inside there. Yeah, yeah. You can put it in salads. You can put pine nuts all over the place. Huh? Kind of like these nuts. <laughs> Learn two things today. <laughs> two things. I hear a. Bar- this, is, this is what he says here. I hear a bark, and racing toward me is a dog I once had, a black poodle named Pepe. Nice. See, this is what I'm talking <laughs> about. This is. I'm gonna see my dog when I die. Right. When I see him, I, I feel an emotional floodgate open. Tears fill my eyes. He jumps into my arms, <laughs> licking my face as I as I hold him. He is. Real, more real than I had ever experienced him. I can smell him, feel him, hear his breathing, and sense his great joy at being with me again. I put my dog on the ground and step forward to embrace my stepfather when a very strong voice is heard in my consciousness. Not yet, it says. I scream out, why? Then this inner voice says, what have you learned and whom have you helped? I'm dumbfounded. The voice seems to be from what, uh, from without as well as within. Everything stops for a moment. I have to think of what was asked of me. I cannot answer what I have learned, but I can't answer. fucking Black Panther. <laughs> Come on. Really? I cannot answer what I have learned, but I can't answer whom I have helped. I feel the presence of my dog around me as I ponder those two uh, questions. When I hear barking and other dogs appear, dog, dogs I once had, as I stand there for what seems to be eternity, I want to embrace and be absorbed and merge. I want to stay. The sensation of not wanting to come back is overwhelming. I heard a voice say, welcome back. I never asked who said that, nor did I care. I was told by the doctor that I had been dead for over 10 minutes. <laughs> this is fucking Black Panther minus the dogs. All right. So, so what do you think? Well, that's exactly what I said. It's <laughs> it's Black Panther. If you've seen Black Panther, this is exactly what happens. He goes there and the dad's like, what have you learned? Go back to Wakanda. And like he goes back. It's like, come oh, on. Oh, man. So these are real accounts too, man. I'm just I I'm know, just reading I the know. accounts. So this one, Julian, this is a this one's kind of cool. Um, Julian Milks almost hit by a car. Ooh. Okay, so um, uh, quote: My mother and I were driving out to the lake one afternoon. My dad was to follow later when he finished work. We were having company for dinner, and as we rode along, my mother spotted some wild flowers at the side of the road. She asked if I uh, if I wouldn't stop the car and pick them as they would look nice on the dinner table. That's a smart decision. Yeah, not, not very great. I pulled over to the right side of the road. It was not a major highway. Uh, parked the car and went down a small incline to get off the road to pick the flowers. While I was picking the flowers, a car came whizzing by and suddenly headed straight for me. As I looked up and saw what I presumed would be an inevitable death, I separated from my body and viewed what was happening from another perspective. My whole life flashed in front of me from that moment backwards to segments of my life. 
The review was not like a judgment. It was a it was passive, more like an interesting novelty. I can't tell you how many times I think of that near-death experience. Even as I sit here and I write my story for you, it seems as though it happened only yesterday. Okay, so... That's kind of cool. That one seems a little bit more like... Luckily, well, good thing they didn't get hit by the fucking car. You we've, know I mean? we've all seen the Final Destination movies, right? Oh, yeah. You can't cheat death. <laughs> no, nope, I mean, come, you could try. It's coming for you. But it'll keep coming back until it gets you. Dude, what a, what a cool concept for movies, though. I mean, they got stupid as they went on. Like, you know... Yeah, the man, first one was good. first one was great. Yeah. first one was awesome. Made me never want to go on a plane. Right. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Or take a shower alone. <laughs> the kid like chokes himself on oh, the yeah. wire. Yeah, Ugh. dude, shit happens in bathrooms and stuff all the time. They say you're more likely to get into an accident within five miles of your home or in your own bathroom than you are anywhere else in the world. That's good to know. Yeah, just so, so be careful out there, folks. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so this one, it's Ernest Hemingway. Okay, Ernest Hemingway, the yeah. writer. You know, awesome. Uh, wounded by shrapnel while fighting on the banks of the River Paev near Falsalta, Italy. This is awesome. I didn't know this about him at all, but it's super cool. He says, dying is a very simple thing. I've looked at death, and I really, and really, I know. A big Austrian trench mortar bomb at the ty- uh, of the type that used to be called ash cans exploded in the darkness. I died then. I felt my soul or something coming out right out of my body, like you'd pull a silk handkerchief out of a pocket by one corner. It flew around and then came back and went in again, and I wasn't dead anymore. I ate the end of my piece of cheese and took a swallow of wine. Through the other noise, I heard a cough. Then came the cha-cha-cha-cha. Then there was a flash, a flash, as when a blast furnace door is swung open and a roar that started white and went red and on and on in rushing wind. I tried to breathe, but my breath would not come, and I felt myself rush, uh, felt myself rush bodily out of myself. Wait, what? I felt myself, okay, yeah, bodily out of myself, and out and out and out and all the time bodily in the wind. This is again, he's a writer, so yeah. I went out swiftly, all of myself. And I knew I was dead, and then it had all been a mistake to think you just died. Then I floated, and instead of going on, I felt myself slide back. I breathed, and I was back. Huh. Yeah. See, but again, though, you're seeing this whole... um, Outside perspective. It's outside perspectives. It seems that's the most commonality with any of these, you know? It'd be Um, pretty awesome. Say what? It'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool, you know? Um, So this one here is... uh, This is from Gene Epley of Columbus, Ohio. Oh, boy. My experience happened during the birth of my first child. For many years, I blamed it on the anesthetic. There you go. I had three more children without pain because I believed that if there wasn't any pain, I wouldn't have to have anesthetics that caused experiences like this. Living, <coughs> living proof of mind over matter, right? So what happened was this. Everything was bright yellow. There was a tiny black dot in the center of the yellow. Somehow I knew that, that the dot was me. The dot began to divide. First there was two, then four, then eight. After there had been enough division, the dots formed into a pinwheel and began to spin. What? <laughs> Did it go? Do, 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 do. As the pinwheel spun, the dots began to rejoin in the same manner as they had divided. I knew that when they were all one again, I would be dead. So I began to fight. The next thing I remember is the doctor trying to awaken me and keep me on the delivery table because I was getting up. When my daughter was born, her head was flattened from her forehead to a point in, uh, in the back. They told me that she had lodged against my pelvic bone, but the doctor had already delivered two others that night and was in a hurry to get home. He took her with the forceps. I've often wondered if my experience was actually hers instead. Oh. I survived and became very strong. Before it happened, I was a very weak person who had depended on others all my life. It constantly amazes me that people talk about how much they admire my strength. I developed a lot of character having lived this life and raising four children children alone. I can honestly say that I like and respect myself now. I did not 
I did not when the near-death experience happened. I believe maybe it was sent to show me that I could be strong. I certainly needed the strength in the years that came after. All right, so have you ever gotten up too fast and you see stars? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's it. You know, like the stars are swirling and possible kind of one of those things where you, you know what I mean? The blood is rushing. Right. It's very possible. I mean, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, because I mean, the stars to me, when they, when it happens, when it happens to me, at least they, they just glimmer all over the place. Mine have, mine have like trails. Mine really? Go, yeah. Mine go like this, like, you know, like they move around like with trails and shit. Yeah. Have you ever done acid? No. Could yeah. you imagine me on acid? <laughs> that would be a movie in itself. No. I don't think that's a good <laughs> I'd be idea. sitting there just doing a million different voices to the wall. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's from Sandra H. Brock of Staunton, Virginia. I had a stomach stapling in 1980, and in the process, I uh, had to have deformed a deformed spleen removed. I hemorrhaged on the operating table, and the doctor said that at three times he thought he was going to lose me. The first day after surgery, I had to have transfusions. During one of the transfusions, I started feeling really weird. I felt like if I shut my eyes, I would never open them again. I called a nurse. Of course, she said it was all in my head and left the room. I remembered she just walked out the door and started being pulled through a tunnel. She walked out of the door, and I started being pulled through a tunnel. Okay, so she's feeling this thing. It was a terrible experience because all I could see were people from my past, people who were already dead, who, uh, who had done or said something to me that hurt me in one way or another. They were laughing and screaming until I thought I could not stand it. I begged and begged that I be allowed to go back. I could see a light at the end of the tunnel, but I never really got close to it. All of a sudden, I was back in my bed, just thankful I had not died. So what do you think of that one? That one's a total negative. You know what I mean? Like these other people are like, oh, you know, I saw myself in peacefulness and tranquility. And she's like, these motherfuckers hated me. <laughs> yeah, but she was also really, really extremely low on blood. Yeah. So I'm sure like oxygen and whatnot was cut off from the brain. So she could be misfiring and having a hallucination. Hallucination. God, I can't even say it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That's for you. One of those days, I guess, right? (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, yeah. So if you lose that much blood to the point of like a a near-death experience, yeah, that's gonna fuck your mind up. You're gonna see some weird shit. Like, well, that's gonna happen. So there's a correlation to. She also has another NDE. It's the same chick. So remember, she had a negative experience. Listen to this story. Um, quote, my mother told me that when she, fa- um, she, she found she was pregnant with me, she prayed that I would die. They were just coming out of the, of the depression and they already had a baby and could not afford another. It's Charlie Manson's mom? <laughs> it sounds close, right? When I was born, I was born with a hair lip. Mother thought, that, uh, mother thought that was her punishment for wanting me dead. Within several days and without any surgery, my hair lip healed itself and to this day I do not carry a scar. She also told me that when I was only a few weeks old, she came to my bassinet and found me not breathing. I had already turned purple. She grabbed me, shook me, and blew in my face until I started breathing again. I don't remember this experience, but I do remember being in a bassinet that had no liner. I remember studying my hands, what my hands looked like as an infant. My mother said I couldn't possibly possibly remember this, but I did, and I was right. So let me ask you this. She had a pretty... Mother basically didn't want her, told her that. She was turning blue when Mm -hmm. she was a baby and stuff like that. Do you think that may have led to her first one that we read and the negative uh, negativity that was around there sure i mean because if you have all this negativity built well, it's up, like we st- talked about earlier the stored memory you know right it's not always in the back of your head every day but it's somewhere in there right 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 right, right. Yeah, a traumatic yeah. experience would and pull that's that to the probably front. what it was 
So this one's pretty awesome here. All right. Stephen B. Rittenauer of Charlotte's, Charlottesville, Virginia. All right. We smoked another joint and then headed toward the rapids. Hey, man. <laughs> you gotta love when a story starts like that. Debbie begins laughing, and the next thing I know, we're overtaken by laughter. The giggling stops as we're swept off of our feet and dragged down river. Debbie cries out, Steve and I can't swim, I'm drowning. I feel powerless because I can't get to her, and I'm yelling, hang on, don't panic, when I take a tremendous mouthful of water. Without any warning, um, at time as I know it stops. The water has a golden glow, and I find myself just floating as without gravity, feeling very warm and comfortable. I'm floating in a vertical position with my arms outstretched and my head laying on my left shoulder. I feel totally at peace and full of serenity in this timeless space. Next, I go through a past life review. It was like uh, looking at a very fast slideshow of my past life, and I do mean fast, like seconds. I don't quite understand the significance of all the events that were shown to me, but I'm sure there is some importance. When this ended, it was this it was, it was as if I was floating very high up and looking down at a funeral. Suddenly, I realized that I was looking at myself in a casket. I saw myself dressed in a black tux with a white shirt and a red rose on my left lapel. Standing around me were my immediate family and significant friends. Then, as if some powerful force wrapped around me, I was thrust out of the water, gasping for air. There was Debbie within arm's reach. I grabbed her by the back of her hair, and I was able to get us both over to the rocks and out of the water. After lying on the rocks for a while, I glance over at Debbie, and it's looking like, a, like looking at a ghost. As she describes what she went through, it became apparent that we both had the same experience underwater. The golden glow, the serenity, seeing our lives flash before us, floating over a funeral, and seeing ourselves in a casket. That is the only time we ever talked about it. I haven't seen or talked with Debbie since. You want to know what I think? Yes, of course I do. Hey, man. Smoke this shit. This is Alabama Kush. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just don't tip the raft, all right? <coughs> Here, have some of this. Okay, I'll take another hit. <laughs> oh, I fell in the water. Oh, it's gold. Yeah, man. It's peaceful. Breathe in the water. Hey, we're dying. Let's go to this rock. Swim. <laughs> That's what I think. What's that mustache? You need to take a tinkle. We'll be right back after this message. Well, it's time to return back to the show. I'm glad you stayed and didn't leave. All right, so now we're going to be discussing a story from one of our passengers. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to have to be uh, watching my, my uh, critique. Be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be nice. All right, here we go. Who's, who is it? Oh, top of the morning to you. Hi. How are you? <laughs> mm. Speaking of, uh -oh. side note, uh -oh. our uh, Canadian uh, ex-drummer friend. Yeah. Was on a local radio show the other day. Really? For what? Uh, they were talking about politics or something like that and Trump getting COVID and all this stuff. And he called in and okay. they're like, all right, we're going to go to Jason. He's Canadian. And it was him. It was his voice. And he was talking about all this shit and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's actually him. He's <laughs> you know, still alive. You know, Trump, eh, he's not, yeah. you know, I don't really like him. Eh? <laughs> well, he was talking about how he wanted to move back to Canada. He wanted to leave. He wants to leave the U.S., but he can't because of COVID. 
restrictions. Oh, really? So he can't get into like next April. Oh, shit. Yeah. He's like, I just want to go home, eh? And I'm like, I know this guy. I know this guy. He got fired on tour. <laughs> ah, poor guy. All right. So this one is from passenger Justin Kowalczyk. Uh -oh. Justin is a very, very cool guy. And uh, of course he is because he listens to our show. Absolutely. Right. And he says, a quote, my near-death experience, December 8th, 2006, I got attacked by a pit bull. Oh, Jesus. Tore my upper lip in half and off my face. Got rushed to the ER, put under and into emergency surgery to try and reconnect what they could uh, find and stop the bleeding. While under anesthesia, I found myself watching the doctors work on me. My viewpoint seemed to be from the ceiling of the room. No sound, but they seemed frantic. Came to and brought up my dream to doctors and family. I was told you do not dream under anesthesia. Fast forward two years, and while going over the medical records for the lawsuit, I stumbled upon the fact that they couldn't get the bleeding to stop, and I couldn't keep my airway cleared. For a brief period, I had died on the table. Pretty sure this is what I saw in my dream. It's pretty fucked up, man. You know, I'm going to say something that's going to get me in a lot of trouble, oh, shit. and I don't even care because it's go. Halloween, Here we so go. fuck y'all. All right, listen. Yep. Pit bulls are not fucking domestic pets. <laughs> I don't know how many times, how many stories we have to go through where they kill kids, they attack people. A fucking pit bull is not a pet. I don't want to see pictures. Oh, they're they're really friendly if they're trained right. No, they have a lockjaw mechanism. It's it's animal instinct. They are they're not pets. Now. I'm not saying we should kill them all. No, no. Now, listen. But my, I'm saying you should not be the asshole that, like, takes your pit bull to the dog park. Hey, it's just like any other dog. I train Because <laughs> you. uh, you're part of the problem, then. And my son has a pit bull. And oh, he is one of the sweetest dogs I've ever seen in my life, man. Absolutely. And I usually don't like pit bulls at all because usually they're like, eh, I'm like. They're all sweet until they get triggered. Well, yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's like having a grizzly bear as a pet. Oh, he's just fine. <laughs> grizzly bear. You know, you know, you just pet him. I trained him and, and then it's over. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Oh, man. So this one is for a, we're going to be getting a lot of mail Good. for that one. Good. For yeah. sure. Send them to me. Send them to Jeff at the Midnight Train. No, I will kidding. stay up late and I'll respond to every All motherfucking right. one of them. <laughs> so this one comes from a friend of Mr. Moody's and uh, her name is Winnie. She says, uh, four Cooper? years. Winnie, not Winnie. I don't think Winnie Cooper. Wouldn't it be awesome? That would be awesome. Like Moody grew up with Winnie Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> so four years ago, I was on the uh, I-10 highway in Arizona making my daily commute from work. This is also a huge truck route. So traffic got pretty brutal at times. All seemed fine for once. Um, uh, traffic was flowing smoothly and we were all cruising at about 75. Out of nowhere, everyone jumps to the right lanes and comes to a screeching halt. There is an dot, the Arizona Department of Transportation car in the far left lane, seemingly parked in the lane with the worker on his phone. I hit my hazard lights and slammed on my brakes and missed the pickup truck in front of me by an inch. I checked behind me, and a few people have thrown their cars into the shoulder to avoid hitting the car in front of them. That's when I see it. I remember it as vividly as if it happened yesterday. I watched my rear view in horror as a red Volvo semi with a refrigerator trailer is still going full speed. Chainsaw! <laughs> I have no doubt. The driver has his head turned, talking to his passenger. They're not slowing down. They don't see me. I see his passenger turn his head and point frantic frantically as they barrel closer and closer. I hear his brakes engage. I hear his tires squeal, but they're still not stopping. I contemplate fleeing my vehicle, but there's no time. Suddenly, I saw a flash of my life play out before me. Um, I didn't go to tell my boyfriend goodbye this morning. 
When was the last time I called my mother? What am I going to do? There's nowhere to run. I'm going to die. The person in front of me is going to die. And the person in front of them is at very least going to be really messed up. Oh my God. Fuck. Fuck. This is going to hurt. I'm not ready to go. All of these thoughts occurred in the same five seconds. I felt my car get hit and I see the semi on the side of me scraping down the guardrail. He threw his truck into the shoulder to avoid hitting me head on. The truck finally stopped about a football field away from me and I realize I'm alive. Immediately after I realize I'm not only alive but in one piece, I look out my window and see that my car is surrounded by people, frantically trying to get me to unlock the vehicle. I unlock my door and immediately after that I blacked out. Was it stress? Trauma? I don't know. But I have first-hand accounts from law enforcement and paramedics that I drove my car off the freeway as instructed and sat down to be looked over by paramedics after giving my statement. I have severe pain in my back to this day, but considering what shouldn't have happened, I'll take it. I don't believe in angels, divine intervention, or even fate, but something or someone was looking out for me that day. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Oof. Seeing that just a fucking semi just barreling at you. It's amazing how much memory you can cram into five seconds too, by the way. You know, like when something like that happens, how much shit actually flashes in front of your life. Like, you're about to die and you're thinking, why did I get a pit bull? They're not a pet. It's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> Jesus and then Christ. all of a sudden, boom, you know what I mean? Oh, man. So let's talk about some celebrities. Oh, nice. Who have actually had some near-death experiences. All right. So first and foremost, let's talk about David Arquette. We know David Arquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, a Deputy Dewey from he, uh, yeah. Scream. He was in all kinds of different movies. A wrestling uh, movie. He was in a wrestling movie. He was actually married to, I don't know if he still is or not, but to Courtney Cox. Yeah. You know, so David Arquette. Says so two years ago during his stint on the in the professional wrestling world, the actor was accidentally stabbed in the neck with a cylindrical light bulb during a so-called death match with someone named Nick Gage. He, he this is what he told People, uh, People Magazine. "Quote: I thought I was dying. I got out of the ring and I was totally lost. I couldn't see and I couldn't hear." Arquette was then rushed to a hospital where he received stitches and surgery. His ordeal, which is chronicled in the new documentary "You Cannot Kill David Arquette," <laughs> which is awesome, was ultimately a wake-up call. Quote, there was a certain carefree daredevil aspect about the way I lived previously, he uh, told People Magazine, but I didn't want to die. With the help of therapy and support from his wife, um, to whom he's been, uh, Christina, no, he, I guess he is remarried to Christina McLarty Arquette, whatever, to whom he's been married uh, since 2015. Um, he said, quote, I learned to love myself. He added, I had to stop being self-destructive and make choices that were throwing bombs. All right, so there you go. That's David Arquette's story. Neck with the light bulb, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's not do that. Sharon Stone. We oh, we remember Sharon Stone. Yeah. She was uh, the the one who had the the infamous crossing of the uncrossing of the legs scene, yeah. where you could see her hoo ha, turning the chair. Yeah, yeah. and what what what, what and not in, that was an indecent proposal. What movie was that? Uh, Basic Instinct. Ba- yeah, Basic Instinct, which reminds me of uh, I used to read uh, like Mad Magazine and Cracked those magazines. Yeah. And they always do parodies of movies and stuff like that. And they called this, <laughs> they called that movie, Basically It Stinks. Did you ever see, was it Hot Hot Shots where they did it and there was a beaver? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I think it was Hot Shots. Right. Yeah. Okay. It says right here, the Basic Instincts actress and HIV AIDS awareness activist has had several brushes with death, which she op- uh, opened up about uh, to the sun and Brett Goldstein's Films to be Buried with podcast in June. Quote, I had my neck cut to a 16th of an inch from my jugular vein when I was 14 on a clothesline. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, On the podcast, she added that she was once hit by lightning, which she described as really intense. (laughs) You think? Quote, I was at home. We had our own uh, well. I was filling up the iron with well, and I had my hand on the faucet. The well got hit by lightning, and it came through the water, she explained. I was indoors, and I got picked up and thrown across the kitchen and hit the refrigerator. 
It was so crazy. She said, adding that her mom immediately drove her to the hospital. In 2001, the actress also suffered a massive stroke, which took her years to recover from. Quote, it's like, how am I going to die next time? Probably something super dramatic and nuts. End she had quote. a stroke? She had a stroke. I never heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, she had a stroke. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's why she disappeared from making movies. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about this crazy motherfucker here, Gary Busey. <laughs> ah! Johnny Utah! Yeah, Gary Busey. And if you guys don't know who Gary Busey is, just uh, look up any picture of him and you'll immediately know how fucking nuts he actually is. He was the awesome partner in Point Break. Yes. Yeah, opposite Keanu. He was also in, um, uh, not was it not Black Sheep? Yeah, Black Sheep. Was he in there? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was the uh, the the guy that lived in the uh, in the trailer, the army guy. Okay, and that they stumbled uh, upon Predator Two with uh, Danny Glover. Yeah, he was the SWAT team guy. Lots of teeth. Yeah. Lots of teeth yeah. in his mouth. So Gary Busey's 1988 motorcycle accident nearly killed him, but it also ended up shaping the course of his life forever. In 1988, the actor, then 44, turned too hard when trying to maneuver around a bus and hit his uh, back brake, sending him over his windshield and onto his helmet, a uh, helmetless head. He didn't wear have a helmet on. Oops. In a new interview with The Guardian, the now 75-year-old recalled how he, quote, passed away after brain surgery and went to the other side. Following the incident and how his time in the spiritual realm, damn it, my mouth, impacted his mindset, quote, I was surrounded by angels. Balls of light floating all around me, and I felt trust, love, protection, and happiness like you cannot feel on earth. It's the feeling the angels live in, he said, of the experience. The truth told me I wasn't finished over here on earth, he added. So, yeah, again, you know, the angels and the, the lights yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's Gary, Bu- Gary Busey. He's, like, really fucked up on drugs and shit, too. So, I mean, there could have been a little bit of... Uh, Is he? Em- emphasis. Wow. All right, let's talk about uh, someone who's really prominent nowadays, Post Malone. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm actually, I got to say, I'm not a fan, but I, I don't hate his music. I think he's all right. He's okay. I just don't get it. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't understand it. Not for us to get, buddy. We're old. I know. Yeah. The rapper's private jet made an emergency landing after its tires blew out on takeoff in August of 2018. The flight was scheduled to go from New Jersey to London, but ended up spending five hours circling airports to burn off fuel before safely landing in New, New Windsor, New York. Um, he says, quote, I fucking hate flying. The star told TMZ after finally getting back on the ground, quote, we just heard the tire pop and then I don't know if it was smoke or whatever came in and we're like, shit, this is not good at all. I just put everybody in a big group text to tell them I love them just in case. He said about how he was handled being in a flight after the malfunction. I just did all it all in one, you know, my family and everybody and my friends. This was before anybody knew about the plane. I was just like, hey, guys, I love you. I didn't want to fucking freak people out and then be stuck in the air. I'm alive. I'm ready to party, Malone added. So that. that was- what just happened? You got shot. <laughs> got shot. All right. So we'll do one more here for Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm a huge Leo fan. Yeah. All right. I know how this happened. He uh, There was no room on the raft. Rose took it and he died of hypothermia. I thought it was the bear. The bear that pummeled or the, the shit bear, out of him. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Had, he's had quite a few of those. Yeah, or it was the ludes that he took from 1980. Yeah, that finally kicked in. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's had a, he's had a lot of near death experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to things DiCaprio is thankful for, we're guessing Edward Norton ranks pretty high on the list. Why? Because he saved his life during a scuba diving expedition in the Galapagos Islands when DiCaprio's oxygen tank failed. Norton noticed and shared his tank with the Oscar winner while they swam back to the surface. The daredevil actor is no stranger to near-death experiences. Quote, if a cat has nine lives, I think I've used a few, DiCaprio told Wired in December 2015. 
From a shark attack and skydiving accident to a near plane crash, the adrenaline junkie shared his tales of his extreme adventures uh, with the outlet. That's fucking... I didn't know he was all like into that shit. Yeah. I mean, if you got that kind of fuck you money, it's like, why not? <laughs> fuck you, buddy. So, Jeff, you said you actually have a near-death experience. Kind of. Kind of? Kind of. All right. Tell like, us what... Or a close call, I guess you could say. All right. Say. So, let's tell the, let's tell the story. I was... Uh, this was 12, 12, probably 12 years ago. I was changing the exhaust on a car that I had. And the jack stands came loose with me under it. <laughs> I thought that was it. Oh, shit. And luckily, like they, you know how the jack stands have the locks on them? Mm-hmm. Well, I had some cheap ones in the back and I was grabbing the exhaust by the, by the converter and I was shaking it, trying to get it loose. Okay. And it knocked both stands in the back loose. Oh shit. And they came down and I had to turn my head and it was like right up. The car was against my cheek. Oh my God. Yeah. So and then I started yelling and uh, I had a buddy over at the time and he ran over and jacked it up. But like. It was one of those, like... You thought that was it? I thought, yeah, I thought that was it. I thought the car was going to come down and smush me. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, so now I use, like, multiple jack stands. When Absolutely. I, when I go under Good ones. Keep the jack yeah. under it just a little <laughs> yeah, bit. I yeah, do, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't, like, it, nothing... It didn't have, like, a montage or a flash of things. Right. Stuff, but it was just, like, one of those things where it was, like, okay, that was probably the closest call or brush fucked. that it's I had. still fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, with me, I was actually driving... Um, on the back roads over by, actually out by where you live a little bit over uh, in uh, in Oberlin, over by JVS. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Back road over there, the um, the weeds were super high at a stop sign and I couldn't see, so I started creeping out real slow. All of a sudden, this car comes up over the hill and hits me broadside. Flips my car up in the air, um, lands down, breaks all the windows. My seat was like, uh, I think it was seven inches wide. After they pulled me out, they had to use the jaws of life. It broke all the motor mounts. I mean, the car was fucked, right? Wow. So they pulled me out. I am not at all coherent, all right? Not at all. Uh, it, it knocked me out. Um, it ended up bruising every one of my internal organs. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I cut my, a little cut by my eye or whatever. But the fucked up part is, is that as I'm sitting in the hospital and I come to and I finally realize where I'm at, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm alive. That's good, you know? And then um, these two paramedics... Um, I said that weird. <laughs> paramedics. <laughs> Foo Fighters. Uh, the, the Foo Fighters. <laughs> these paramedics came in. Um, so the, the, anyway, they come in and they're um, asking if I'm okay. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm all right. And here I am just, I mean, I'm fucking hurting. They've got me on a ton of different painkillers and everything else because I got messed up. And they walk in and they're like, you know, UK. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. And they were like, dude, you freaked us the fuck out. I'm like, what do you mean? They were like, well, we got you out of the um, the car. We put you in the ambulance. And as we're coming back to uh, the hospital, you were completely unconscious, but you were singing. <laughs> really? And apparently I was singing uh, Lightning Crashes by Live. No way. And the guy even said, he started singing. He was like, I don't know what the song is. He was like, oh, I see you coming. You know, that song yeah. or whatever. And I, I was just looking. I was like, really? He was like, yeah, dude. He was like, that's the strangest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He was like, you were completely, you were out, but you were singing this fucking song. And I was just like, wow, that was pretty cool. So yeah, that was my, nice. I've had a couple of them. Did you decide to grow a ponytail? (laughs) I should have. (laughs) I should have. I've had a couple of them, but that was the most, I guess. That's pretty bizarre. The one where like, I mean, I could have fucking died and here I am singing a fucking song. And that's, and that's what I knew. I should have been a singer. See? No, that's not. No. no. If anything, they should have told me to never, (laughs) to never do that. Yeah. So. Ladies and 
So it's Halloween month. It is Halloween month. Last WTF, we did top 10 Halloween costumes, which was a bunch of shit, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> bunch of garbage. Yeah. So this week, as we're getting closer to the holiday, we're, we're building it up. Yeah. This week, we're going to do the top 10 Halloween movies. Ooh. Okay, not scary movies, Halloween. Halloween time movies. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, obviously, they're scary movies, but... You know, you have like a top 10 scariest of all time movies and you have top 10 Halloween movies. Yeah. This is according to our favorite site, IMDb. Ah, we love the IMDb. Uh, we still don't yeah. understand the algorithms. No. So this is taken by an average of popularity, I'm assuming. Okay. That's how they come up with this. So yeah. we're going to start with number 10 and go to one. Okay. Okay. Number 10 mm -hmm. is It Follows. It Follows. And I have seen this. This is the one where it's like a set, an STD ghost. <laughs> like, Wait, what? It's a ghost that follows you, okay? And you have to have sex with somebody, and then the oh. person you have sex with, the ghost starts following them. Yeah, so yeah, So you yeah. have to pass it like an STD, basically. I've never seen it's it. It's actually a really good movie. Yeah? Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah, you, you read, like, the synopsis of it, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, no way. But you watch it, and it's like, well, okay. This actually was a pretty decent movie. And it was based around Halloween? Kind of. It's, it's like, Halloween-esque, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It so. follows. All right. That's number 10, okay? All right. Number nine. Which, by the way, has a 6.8 out of 10 Ooh. on uh, IMDb. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. And 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. That's what I'm saying. If you get a chance and you got nothing to watch, watch it. It's not It's not. Okay, I'll check it so, out. Uh, number nine is The Omen. Oh, yeah. From 1976. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Now, I personally have not seen this movie. Oh, it's good. Yet. You view? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what, what's it about? Uh, the it's Omen? It's kid, isn't it? Yeah. Damien. Uh, Damien. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've heard a ton of stuff about it. I've just never actually sat down and watched it. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty crazy. It's just about a little kid. It's demonic and shit. Uh, Gregory Peck from way back then is in it. Um, good movie. Um, 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb and That's 86%. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Rating. Well, considering it was from 1976. Yeah. So yeah, it still yeah. holds up. Yeah, it's 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 up there with like The Exorcist and shit like that. It's okay. pretty, it's pretty, pretty good if you want to watch like an older classic like horror movie. Gotcha. A scary movie. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Okay, so that's number nine. Okay, number eight, and I love this movie. It's called Drag Me to Hell. Oh yeah, Sam Raimi. Yes, it's just so slapsticky, just over the top. Like you have to go into this movie with with no serious bone in your Absolutely. body. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very like uh, what are the other movies he does? Like Evil Dead and uh, Army of Darkness. Yes, it's like that slapsticky, just like over the top gore and fast like action kind of camera yeah. motions but and shit a, like it's, that. It's actually like a good movie. And yeah. a good story. Yeah. Oh, I loved know? it. Yeah. I, th I thought it was awesome. Six point five out of ten, and but ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. See. If you guys get need to see that one for sure, it's just a fucked up movie. That old lady in it, it was just with her teeth. Yeah, she's biting. Ugh, so <laughs> creepy. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's definitely got more of a slapstick side to it. Great yeah. movie though. Number seven is the Thing from 1982. The Thing. Oh, John Carpenter. Yes. Yes. And that's an 8.1 rating, which mm -hmm. is really high. Um, I don't know what is the Rotten Tomato. 85. 85. 85 percent. Which, if you guys have never seen, first of all. Fuck. <laughs> um, don't watch the prequel, the new one that just came out with recently. It, I mean, it's okay, yeah. but it's supposed to be like what led up to it. So basically, these uh, these people are on, uh, they're in Alaska or in the... Um, Antarctica. Antarctica, whatever it is. And then they come across... Um, it says a shape-shifting alien that yeah. assumes the appearance of its victims. Yeah, and it does. It, it basically destroys people and takes on their, the way they look and everything. It's pretty fucked up. It's uh, Kurt Russell, right? 
Yes. Yeah, Kurt Russell's yeah. in it. Great movie. Yeah, from 1982. Great. And so. it still holds up to this day, dude. It's yeah. still one of those ones that if you sit down and watch it, you're gonna it's gonna get you. Nice. Yeah, love it. All right, number six. We're getting close to five. Number six is the original Halloween, 1978. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Michael Myers. This is a 7.8 rating. And or is this the second one? This is 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween no. night. Okay, this is the first one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you haven't seen this movie, get out of the rock you're hiding under. <laughs> <laughs> this is a classic. Like it's like one of the ultimate classic horror movies up there with like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and all those other ones. And of course, a lot of people, especially the younger people out there, they've probably seen the um, the newer ones, the Rob Zombie ones or whatever. See, I, I like that one better than the originals because that was really twisted. It was like. What would it really be like you right. know, with the mental health and shit? Oh, like, no, like they, that was a fucking weird, I thought they were great. But, yeah. you know, when that was a you're talking about a precursor back in what, 1978? Yeah. You know, when it, the, those movies first started kind of coming out, like that's one of the original slasher flicks. Right. You know, like it's awesome. Right. Number five. Here we go. Evil Dead 2. Ooh. 1987. Yes. That's one of movie Moody's uh, favorites. Oh, yeah. Evil He's Dead 2 is that. absolutely amazing. 7.8 out of 10. Yeah. Which is awesome. And 95% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is awesome. And if you guys don't know, it's Bruce Campbell. Yeah. It's freaking amazing. It's about a bunch of teenagers that go to a cabin. Right. And they summon the dead with the Necronomicon book. Right. And, and it's all so good. hell breaks loose. Again, very slapsticky, very quick um, cameras and stuff like that. And it's just, a, it's awesome. Such yeah. a great movie. Yep. It's hokey, but fucking great at the same time. Number four Ooh. is one of our favorites here on the show is The Shining, the original nice. 1980. Jack Nicholson, 8.4 stars should be higher in my opinion. Absolutely. But this is a Stanley Kubrick uh, film and we, we've we gone over this quite a bit, I think, in many episodes. Yeah, but, well, I mean, it's just, it's so it's such a psychological thriller, you know? Jack Nicholson's going to write a book, so he goes to this empty... He takes uh, his family with him. Yeah, what was it, a hotel? Well, he was a caretaker, okay. right? It was, it was he's that, a writer, but he was caretaking to make money on the side, I think it was. So they were caretaking at the hotel, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah with him and his family yeah, yeah. and his, his kid and everything else. Dude, that movie is still, to this day, it's fucking creepy. And there's so many different things when you watch it yeah. that are like mind-fucking, you know what I mean? The new one was really good. Did you watch that with Ewan McGregor? I have not seen that one yet. Where he's It's Danny Grown Up? Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. really good. What is, the hell is that called? Um, I just watched it a couple months ago. It was on Netflix. Um... Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally worth watching. He's really good. All right. We're into the top three now. You guys ready? Here we go. Number three is The Exorcist. Yes. 1973. Yes. Classic movie. If you guys have never seen The Exorcist, first and foremost, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Second of all, you should watch it with somebody that gets really uh, scared easily. Yeah, because this is one of those like holy shit. Like I, I named my daughter after the character in this. <laughs> Even for seventy three, like the effects and everything are yeah. still like it's, it's awesome. one of those movies that you talk about still to this day. Yeah, eight out of ten uh, stars on uh, IMDb yep. and eighty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a great movie. And it's basically exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, and it's loosely based off an actual, real exorcism that took place. Okay, and um, it, I, I want to say his name was. Oh, like Randall Doe or something like that. They never used the guy's real name, but it's actually an account from a priest who did the exorcism, and it's all of his diaries. 
Huh. So it's actually like a real. So they took all they took snippets that, from that. Right. And basically made the movie out of it. So when you watch the movie, it makes it even more interesting that this yeah. actually, well, supposedly, according to the priest, actually took place. The original crab walking yeah. down the stairs. Yeah. And it was just fucked. Head spinning and puking yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's great. Your mother sucks dicks in hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. Number two is Psycho 1960. All right. That's the Norman Bates or his mom is dead and these are definitely them. of all time right i mean yeah. yeah that's 19 what'd you say 1960 yeah well, yeah this is the top 10 halloween movies of all time all right okay according to imdb so yeah that one's 8.5 out of 10 which is great 96 percent. that's how awesome this that's movie a good is one. and it's a black and white movie too if i'm not mistaken um yeah yes yes yeah. it is yes the shower is. scene the ring ring yep, that's absolutely. where that all originally came from yeah alfred hitchcock and uh, it, the premise of the movie is pretty fucked up. Um, there's a hotel and everyone thinks that, you know, Norman's mother is alive. <laughs> and let's just say she's not. Go watch the movie. <laughs> yes. Not to ruin it for anybody, which I probably did. But you got to watch it. It's very, very psychological and just great movie. All right. Number one. Number one. Hot best Halloween movie of all time. Okay. I want to see if I agree with this. And this comes in at 1968. It's Rosemary's Baby. That's a pretty fucked up movie. No, I haven't personally watched this. I've heard a million things about it over all the years. I've never actually sat down and watched this movie. It Have is, you seen it? It's, I, I remember seeing it when I was younger, but it's been so long. Um, it's Roman Polanski, which we had a little run-in with Roman Polanski in our Manson, Manson uh, episode, uh, unfortunately. And that's you know, his wife that was murdered by yeah. the Manson family. Uh, it says, uh, based on 1967 novel of the same name. Um, let's see here. Uh, the film chronicles the story of a pregnant woman who suspects that an evil cult wants to take her baby for use in their rituals. How ironic is that? That's what the movie's about. And then look what happened. His wife was pregnant. Yeah. And a cult basically and that fucked up? killed her and the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the irony in that? Yeah. It's, it's fucked. <laughs> it is. Fucked. So that, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, if you go back two episodes prior to this one, correct, we did a whole episode on Charlie Manson and it gets into all this stuff. So if you're not familiar with it, go back and check that out when you got some time. Yeah, it's uh, eight out of ten stars, by the way, and uh, on IMDb, and it uh, doesn't see the Metacritic thing. I don't understand the Metacritic thing at all. Like someone needs to explain that to us. Yeah. So that's number one. And there's one thing I do want to comment on that I'm, I am very happy that I didn't see going through this list. And that's we didn't see Hocus Pocus because that's a bullshit garbage <laughs> Halloween movie. Right? Uh, that's hilarious. Right? Very, very, very. Yeah, dude. So just going through what you just said right now, I just had to double check something real quick. That movie was came out in 1968. Mm -hmm. The murders happened in 1969. Go figure that. Do you think... Manson watched it, and that's where he like came up with the idea. I don't know, but I, I never got that connection before until just now. That's fucking right. crazy. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, I'm not even joking. I got, like, chills from that one. That's fucked up. WTF will do that to you. <laughs> so there it is, folks. That's the top ten. We did costumes. We did movies. What do you think next week's going to be? You'll have, you have to tune in and find out. Tune in next week. we're getting week. close to the to the day. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's dude. That that seriously just blew my fucking mind right now. That is pretty good. Yeah. Holy shit. All right, passengers. We hope you have enjoyed your ride with us on near death experiences. We want to thank everybody who uh, sent their near death experiences into us, and we're glad you're still alive and you're okay. 
Um, well, at least they're still alive. <laughs> Justin, I'm with you. Pitbulls are not fucking pets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, so we have all kinds of cool shit coming up, especially for the next couple of episodes here. We've got Halloween creeping up on us, and we're super excited about it. And we're just trying to bring you guys some uh, some more than just creepy shit, some pretty holy shit shit. Um, but you guys can always tell us if you want to hear an episode. Just go to the midnighttrainpodcast.com or find us on Facebook. Uh, or any of our social media and say, hey, I think it'd be cool if you guys ran a train on this because uh, we love hearing from you guys. But yeah, we got a bunch of episodes coming up pretty uh, pretty soon. At our website, you can also buy some super sweet merchandise at our store. We will donate 10% of every sale to the National Association on Mental Illness too. Um, so if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health issues, call the NAMI helpline at 1-800-950-6264, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, or in a crisis, text NAMI, that's N-A-M-I, to 741-741, because mental health is no joke, especially nowadays. And if you need to reevaluate your insurance, call Garfield 12323. <laughs> you almost choked on <laughs> Almost choked on that one. I don't think anyone's going to get that one. from the past, yeah. isn't it? Garfield 12323. <laughs> <laughs> And listeners keep asking how they can help keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or at patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. You little, might just get a bonus that's episode right. some crack. And which we actually have a bonus episode that's going to be coming soon. It's uh, Coney Island after we did the um, uh, sideshow freaks and oddities and whatnot. We're going to be talking about the one and only Coney, Coney Island. Coney Island. Anyway, for five bucks or for as little as five bucks a month, I can't fucking talk today. Uh, imagine that. You can get all kinds of cool shit like a custom shirt, custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes like uh, the Day the Music Died series, as well as uh, the bonus one like we're going to be doing on Coney Island and way more. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce to produce this motherfucker, I cannot. These morning shows. Yeah, they're rough, huh? <laughs> they're rough for me. Well, because I always drink the night before. Yeah. But if you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is for you. For those of you that would rather leave us a one-time donation, you can head over to PayPal because you're like, wow, these guys are so awesome. But you have commitment issues. We, we get it. Wow. Right. You use the email address, the Midnight Dream Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone. It literally just takes a couple of minutes. I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into these damn shows. And, you know, it just takes a couple minutes. By the way. Yes. Today. 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 I have beef stew cooking as we speak in the crock pot. Ooh, it's that kind of day. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It just reminded me of that of the, the reviews. Yeah. Five star reviews, <laughs> leaving the comment. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I, by I was the at the grocery store and I'm grabbing all the ingredients and I like printed it off online and stuff. I'm old school. I didn't even use my phone. I actually printed out. Did you really? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like the only asshole in the grocery store holding a piece of paper like, oh, yeah, I need one of these, <laughs> one of these. People are like, what is wrong with this guy? But I was amazing. so proud. I'm like, oh, man, this is only on a five-star review. Like when there's <laughs> ingredients and stuff. In. That's amazing. So we can't thank you guys enough for all the love and support. Obviously, you guys do keep this train moving. And uh, we just want to thank you. Um, Jeff, can I get a drum roll real fast? And we'll t okay. say hi and thank you to some of these we're, awesome we're people. We're going to try. My cold is better this week. Okay. It still is early. All right. All right. <clears throat> you ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. So a big fucking midnight train shout out to Tess, Heidi, Kaylin, Kevin, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy Speakerbox, the Sister Skeleton. Make sure you check out the Sister Skeleton podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Riley, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily, Ann, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandapai, Danny, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw. Well, <laughs> we're waiting. That's not the right one. I want, to, I want to change it up a little bit. All right. Jigsaw, Bill, Son, Colin, Todd, uh, David, Valo, Juan, Belen, Cannon, Brad, over Voodoo, Vodka. Vodka? <laughs> Vodka. Vodka. Chef Kevin. Uh, Katie Brabnick, Davey, our Mexican Vato, and a very special fucking thank you to our superhero fucking Patreon producers, Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, who he, he's Justin, the one who gave us our his uh, little NDE today. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that, Justin. Rob Webb from the fun box. God damn it. Oh, good for you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Webb from the fun box podcast. Please make sure you check them out. Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Birch, and Samantha Pickworth. By the way, Skelton Sisters Podcast. Yeah. They got some new gear. Oh, did they? Yeah, they yeah. got new mics. Oh. It sounds really pro now. So get over there and make sure you leave a comment and be like, you guys sound awesome now. You got pro gear. It's, and then it's coming, it's coming to life. And then I'm proud of you guys. And just go to them and say, you guys want some cookies. No, be like snap your finger like the raccoons in the alleyway. Like, <laughs> Hey, uh, how much for the lunchbox? <laughs> so if you want your name to be mentioned on the show, all you got to do is sign up on our website at the midnighttrainpodcast.com. It's absolutely free. Um, we have blogs and our store and, and all kinds of cool shit. What's up a there. blog? It's where... Just, is it a blue log? It's a blue log. That's what I thought. Yeah. Glad you got blue, that. Blue logs. Blue log. Check out the blue log. <laughs> or become a Patreon producer and help us out and help us to create more content because sooner or later both jeff and i we want to quit our fucking jobs right jeff god would that be nice yeah it's not gonna happen well <laughs> <laughs> so stay safe out there passengers stay warm we know it's starting to get a little cold outside and as always choo choo motherfuckers i'll go home and get your fucking shine box